Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. We want to welcome you into week five of the series, Live Ready, Remaining Faithful in Difficult Times. So let's go ahead and jump in and see what God's word has for us with our lead pastor, Antoine Lassiter. Thank you for uh, all those who have gathered. Uh, we will continue in our uh, sermon series, Live Ready. And uh, first week we talked about live with hope. Anyone remember that? Live with hope. Okay, maybe not. Uh, second week, we talked about live, live, with, live holy. Um, third week, live as strangers. Yeah, the, everything on this side is temporary, so we want to live as strangers. Um, last week, uh, it was a tough word, uh, live as servants. Even when um, we have uh, masters over us, Peter instructs us to live as servants. Uh, and today, I'm going to talk about live as family. And so, um, if we were to summarize um, Peter's letter, uh, it would simply be that our faith should be active and alive in all aspects of our lives. That we don't categorize our faith. That I'm one person in public, another person in private, one person on the job, and another person, yeah, yeah, our faith is what guides us. James put it this way. Uh, he says, faith without works is dead. And so we, we, I can show you my faith by how I conduct myself. Uh, but navigating this life takes submission to God. Thank you. It takes, it takes a mission to God. And our Father um, has sent Christ to help us because we cannot do this ourselves. So imagine for a moment that you're driving your car and the check engine light pops on. And so you, as crafty as you are, you get some black tape and you cover it and it magically goes off. You can't see it anymore uh, the pro- because you recognize that it's expensive. It could be an expensive, could be a minor fix, or it could be expensive. It could be a host of things. Um, so technically, the light has gone off, but the problem remains. And that's often how we deal with our own issues. We cover it and not get to the root. And so we keep uh, sort of talonalling the symptoms without going to the root. So what Peter is doing for us is basically reminding us that God works from the inside out. He transforms our hearts with the truth of his word. Then our behavior changes. Sometimes our approach is the opposite. Uh, we approach it by we're just going to stop doing bad and then we're going to start doing good. And so we're trying to wheel ourselves in doing good. And that creates a cycle of success, failure, and then guilt and shame, running away from God because we tried and we keep failing and falling over and over and over. And God works from the inside out. So in knowing this, we do not hold back our faith or 
force it on others. We don't force our faith on others. But it is our faith in Jesus that holds all these things together. So we understand, maybe we should, but maybe hopefully we all understand that everyone is not a Christian. Surprisingly, everyone is not a Christian. And, you know, let me just jump on a soapbox just for a couple seconds. Um, We have to stop using the word Christian as an adjective. It's a noun. Uh, I want it's every put Christian to describe everything. I want to go to a nice Christian restaurant. It's an adjective, but a Christian is a noun. It's who we are. Worse, some claim to be, but don't have the goods to back it up. I just wish you would just stop using the word completely. I'm looking at the camera that maybe somebody on YouTube, like it's not anyone here. Or, yeah, I just, like, stop using the word Christian because you're making all of us look bad. But, okay, I'm, I'm jumping back off the soapbox. And so we live in a society that um, offers many alternatives, all right? And much like the first century, remember, Peter is writing this to the church in the first century. Uh, not everybody believes, and Christianity is not at the center of the culture. And if you understand this, remember you have a right to believe what you want, but as believers of Jesus Christ, our convictions are based on Jesus, not our preference. So it begs remembering that Peter is writing to believers under a tyrannical, tyrannical rule where Christianity is in the minority. There isn't any political power that they wield. They're not trying to storm the empire. They're not, they don't have governors and senators and whomever set up. They are the minority, and they're living as strangers, and they're considered strange people because the culture goes this way, and they go this way. So when the culture does this, they do, and so it's all over the place, and, and, the, and the, the Romans, the Jews, the Greeks, everybody's trying to figure out these Christians. So I have to say this because oftentimes we read Scripture as if God needs us to agree with it. Francis Chan said it this way, when I disagree with something in God's Word, I just assume that I'm wrong, not the word of God is wrong. It's the authority of Scripture. And the whole church said it's the authority of Scripture. Yes, yes, we should seek um, the understanding of Scripture. But to assume Scripture is wrong, how dare you? We need some understanding. We need to read the context. Uh, But if the Bible doesn't agree with us, 
we agree with the Bible. Uh-oh. I thought I was preaching to a Bible-believing church. Maybe not. The ultimate authority is the Bible. All right, so the ultimate authority is the Bible. So I got some work to do, and it's funny. Now listen, when we were praying about what to preach, for disclaimer. Look, it's Mother's Day. We're going to celebrate mothers. Yes, yes, we are. First Peter chapter 3, verse number 1. In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own. <laughs> oh, my word. <sighs> Man, I tell you, boy. Oh, boy, boy, boy. God is good. I'm just like, I was talking to Pastor Ramon, and I was like, hey, man, you know what I'm preaching on Mother's Day? In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands to that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word, by the way, their their wives live when they observe your pure, reverent lives. Don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry or fine clothes, but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You have become her children when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidations. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a as with a weaker partner, allowing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Uh, Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic, love one another and be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, give a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. So we're talking to wives, talking to husbands, and if you don't fall in either of those categories, it's verse number eight, finally, all of you. That includes everyone, excludes none. So God never leaves anyone out. So whether you have a spouse or not, we're all a part of God's family. Amen. So let me just jump ahead real quick. Marriage is not the goal. We have idolized marriage to an unhealthy degree. And whether we are married, single, or it's complicated, um, the goal is faithfulness. That's the goal. The goal is faithfulness. So wherever I find, wherever lot that I find myself in, I am supposed to be faithful, honoring God with my life. And if I'm married, then I'm supposed to honor God with my life with my spouse. If I'm single, I'm supposed to honor God with my life. So there's not a hierarchy that you're married, so you're here, and you're not married. No, 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 that's not what we're saying. But, but Peter is, uh, is, is addressing some concerns that the people experienced. Now, we talk about the first century. Now, the first century, um, women were devalued. They were not seen as worthy. So Jesus comes along and begins to value women. 
Very important. So Peter is addressing. So before uh, you text me or you send me emails, submission in the context of how it has been displayed is in error. The church has used its uh, and have conflated what it means for, for us to value not only ourselves, but women. The same can be said about children. Children were seen as a burden. So it got to a point when, when, when people were having babies, they would literally just chunk the baby aside and continue with their lives until the Christians came and began to adopt because they value children. We value children. We value women. This toxic masculinity that I wear to parents in this house is not biblical. All right, the Jewish culture first. Let's just just dissect, because remember, everybody's not Christian. So the Jewish culture, a common prayer would be, Lord, thank you for not making me a Gentile, a servant, or a woman. It's crazy, right? The Greeks, they had so many concubines and mistresses that they only use wives to birth uh, legitimate children and to keep order in the house. And sexual perversion was prevalent on both ends. Uh, The Romans, they saw marriage like legalized prostitution. Divorce was rampant and married women didn't want to have children. And women, you know, the good news is women could initiate divorce um, but there was an unhealthiness that the man and the, the woman's relationship. So this is the backdrop, and it's important for us to see it as Peter is addressing relationships, because relationships are a cornerstone of everything. You have a relationship with your mortgage company. If you guys are not speaking, I promise you, please initiate the call. You have a relationship with your, uh, with your uh, car company. Uh, if you guys are not on speaking terms, um, one day you're going to be walking in the parking lot and you will not see your car. Ask me how I know. <clears throat> now, Jesus comes along and begins valuing women. So it's important to understand the context and to dig deeper than just hearing the word Submit. So wives in the same way. So Peter is taking us back to his previous statement of Christ being our shepherd and watchman. So first point I want to make, biblical submission is an act of surrendering your will while maintaining your value. Your value is determined by Christ. Subordination is the opposite. It's being forced to submit, and it leads to being devalued. When he says, wives, submit to your husbands, he's not saying uh, there are subordinates in the sense that you lord over them. Absolutely not. No. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that even if some disobey, you got to see what's happening. Jesus is coming and Jesus is literally disrupting lives. How is he disrupting lives? Because you have some saved women who they, they hear the gospel and then they're saved, but their husbands aren't. 
So the women are saying, so what should we do? Leave? And he's like, no, 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 because your behavior can show them the love of God and you may win some to God. But submission is not abuse. Submission is not exerting your... Submission is not uh, demanding it. Remember, it's an act of, of, of your will. So a husband, I, I, now, okay, so I'm, re, I'm reformed and God has shown mercy. But when we first got married and I knew a few scriptures, you're supposed to listen to me. I'm your husband. And Tanya can give you this deaf look that says a lot without saying much. And I just knew then, your boy done messed up. But I was just throwing scriptures, and sometimes what we do is we just keep throwing scriptures to see if something sticks. And so when the world was introduced to Jesus, many people began converting. So they were trying to figure out, now, how do I live? Remember, this is before they knew Jesus. And so they had questions. So Peter answers, and that some may be won over because of the way the wives live. So when the husbands see how you live, uh, they will begin to see Christ. Now, here's the thing. We submit. Remember, um, uh, masters, uh, servants, slaves, submit to your masters. Got to be in context. Get the last week's message. But the key here is I believe in the sovereignty of God so much that I'm willing to submit on the authority of God, and he decides. Point number two, our marriages should be a window into what could be, not reflect what already is. When the world looks, snaps, thank you, appreciate it. So when the world looks at a Christian couple who's married, it's a look into, wow, this is how it's supposed to be, not reflecting how messed up it is. The world already knows what's in the culture. So you got to remember that, that the Christians are moving in the opposite direction, and this is a window into so much. Submit to your own husbands. This is Ali specific. Submit to your own husbands. Don't submit to someone else's husband. Just going to put that right there. And you're not called to submit to other men. This is in a relational context. Man, woman, there's a point to this. And so, men, you don't get off the, you don't get off the hook. And so he keeps going on. He says, beauty should not consist of outward things. Remember the context. Uh, Man, like elaborate hairstyle. So when I was growing up, um, uh, they, we took this scripture and several other scriptures. Women couldn't wear makeup. You couldn't have your hair did. You could, that's not what this is saying because what we are trying to do, remember God works from the inside out. What we try to do is work from the outside in. So we try to mask or manufacture holiness. So you got the, you got the doilies. You got the long white stuff. My mom is watching. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, per se. Get the whole message. Oh, so 
the, 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 the thing is that we try to mask modesty. We try, we try to manufacture it. But what Peter is saying, man, that's inside out. In other words, your beauty can't be bought in a warehouse. Your beauty comes from within. This is anti-culture. This is, a, this is anti-culture because you know even in today, you know how the, the, the world wants to win a man. And he's saying beauty is on the inside. Uh, um, and, and so it, instead, verse number four, of the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very valuable in God's eyes. For in the past, the holy women who hoped in God also beautified themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, Ty does not have to go around calling me Lord. <laughs> See, like, don't worry. I can... I can hear you. That's just a sign of respect. Remember, he's talking about the heart. It's the heart. I guess the, the, the overarching point, your attitude matters. We're in a relationship. My desire is to please my wife. Her desire is to please me. We, are, we want to be pleasing to God. This is not, so let me deal with the whole weaker vessel thing. This is not intelligence or emotions. No, it's generally speaking, I'm stronger than my wife physically. A, a, a weaker partner in that regards doesn't mean intellect, doesn't mean, no, context. Context matters. So submission is never meant for us to be abusive emotionally, and it can work both ways. That Man, same thing. Women are not to be emotionally abusive or physically abusive towards their spouses or for anyone for that matter, but the same, the same respect uh, um, that we, 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 we desire to have for ourselves, we, we give to others. So husbands, husbands, in the same way, live with your wives. Let's stop right there. Simply put, be present. Being home doesn't make you present. Escaping in your mind doesn't make you present. Playing video games every night while in your home doesn't make you present. Be present. Then it says understanding. Listen with your heart. We can disagree and still be happy together of their weaker nature. Uh, again, that's, men are generally physically stronger. There's always exceptions, and it leads to giving honor. That means respect your wife's feelings, thinking, and desires. We understand their weaker nature, not meaning less valuable. Please, but as someone to love and honor as an equal in Christ. Not only is my wife my wife, she's also my sister in Christ. Very important. This is not meant for, for, for us to do what we want to do, but it's meant that God will give us the grace to do what we ought to do. A good marriage must be learned. It doesn't come natural especially in the culture that we live. You got two people living in a box with, with smaller people running around in that box. That, 
can get crowded real fast. And so most couples never solve their, no, some couples never solve their marital problems. They just manage it. In doing so, it catches up. So to follow Jesus means to give Jesus the lead. He is not our co-pilot. Get what that bumper sticker says. <laughs> when that first came out, everybody was getting it until one guy was like, wait a minute. He's your co-pilot? That's messed up. And the sales plummeted. Jesus is the lead. I do what he does. I, we learn from him. And the way we live reflects what we love. Just want you to think about that for a minute. So even when we talk about when the scriptures talks about where your money is, your treasure is, where your heart, your treasure is, where your treasure is, your heart is. You live out what you love. But at the center of our life in Christ is how Christ is the hub in which all things flow. So if I want to be a better husband, I can take a class to become a better husband. I can take a class to become a better parent. But if Christ is not the center, it's from that center everything else flows. I want to be a better husband? Yeah, there there are some practical things that I can do. But Christ has to be the center. So Christ is in our hearts, but the Word of God contains his character, and this is what guides us. He is the remedy, the source, the life, the hope, the reconciler, the depth and breadth of our lives. Christ. The more we walk this journey, the more he reveals. And often he reveals a part of us that may need continued grace. There are certain things that... It's hard to put down. That's why I need grace. I mean, if we're honest, there are times when you don't like yourself. And imagine living with a person. They don't like you. No. <laughs> they don't like bits and pieces that they see. It's a crazy experiment. It's Living and, and growing up, my wife isn't the same. She gets better in time, but my wife isn't the same young, pretty, catch my eye in 1995 that she is now. She's mature. She still catches my eye, but the love that we have for each other now isn't compared to what we, how we met. We've matured. Love in the sense of what Peter is saying, man, it got to be more than just, it got to be more than just attractional. And so what Peter is saying, listen, we have an opportunity, even through suffering, even through all of this mess, even through Nero and all his stuff, we have an opportunity to show the world how real Christ is. But is he real to you? My question is, are you a window to what could be, or are you a mirror to what is? That's the challenge, right? That we got to be ready to give hope. We got to give a reason for the hope that we have. We're living holy and righteous. Like, think about the nature of Christ. I want you to go back to when you first fell in love with Jesus. 
If you were like many of us, we couldn't stop talking. We got on people's nerves. There you go again. He's looking at chicken nuggets. He got five of them. Five is the number of grace. Listen. It's and now over time, you know what we've become? The salt is losing its flavor. And I think what he wants and desires for all of us is to get that hunger back. So if I find myself married, the first ministry starts there. My biggest amen has to come from the woman that I'm sleeping with because she sees it. Is he? See, you don't know how I'm living. She does. I say this publicly. If she ever stops coming to this church, run. Whoa. You didn't give me the benefit of the doubt. She could be in the wrong, but next point is your attitude matters. Wife submitting versus husband's honoring is a testament of Christ being the driven force behind what we do. In marriage, we, when we say I do, we're also saying I don't. I'm, we're saying I don't to other opportunities and other options. And so commitment requires sacrifice. And so remember, marriage is a picture of Christ and his church. Here's some points I just want you to gather. Whatever happens to us, even the things that we don't control, two responses are always the case. Categorically, always the case. Whatever happens to us can make us better or can make us bitter. We are 100% responsible for the attitude that we have. Contrary to popular belief and popular with kids, they made me mad, and that's why I hit them. That's a choice. And so as we grow up, it's the same thing. Intentions don't trump attitude. Attitudes towards a thing affects how we see that thing. But big resentments can grow out of small hurts. And in marriage sometimes, we just, it's, it's, not, it's usually not significant. It's just little paper cuts. And they, if we don't tend to those paper cuts, eventually what happens, big resentments can grow out of small hurts. Verse number eight. I wonder, I would love to have seen Peter writing this letter. And he writes, now finally, all of you should be like-minded. Stop right there. Like-minded means unity. Unity is not uniformity. It's cooperation in the middle of diversity. We work together, although we are different. So you, he's talking to the family now. He's talking to the, the family of God, the, the body of believers. He's, he's, talking to, he's talking to all of us. In every relationship that we have, we should, be, we should strive for, strive to be like-minded. The worst, and, and, and listen, I'm up here, but I'm sure we, we can share our stories. The worst challenges that we have were not when the external forces was coming after us. It's when we were not along. 
because together we can fight against anything. But when we are not on the same page, everybody suffers. And so from the global stance, then the body of Christ, the, the, the church family, remember, live as family. We have to strive for like-mindedness, the unity of the church. Jesus thought it was so important. That's what he kept praying for. Let those who remain be unified. It does not mean that we worship the same. It doesn't mean that we, we agree on everything, but we strive for unity. Unity is not conformity, uniformity. The second thing he says, um, uh, sympathetic. Another word is compassion, um, sympathetic, a sincere feeling for and with. All of us should be like-minded, sympathetic, meaning I care about what concerns you. We care. If one part of the family is hurting, we all hurt. Remember who he's writing this to, believers. The third thing he says, love believers. We share joy and trials. We do life together. Now, now love is always presented, um, no, love is sometimes presented in a cultural sense. So for us to be able to define what love is, Let's go to the Word of God. That's the authority. 1 Corinthians 13 and 4. Love is patient. Hmm. But I have been patient. Then wait some more. Love is kind. Uh-oh. Why are you so mean? Love is kind. It does not envy. When I mean, from the marital standpoint, when my wife is succeeding, we all are succeeding, right? So when the body, when we talk about the family, man, when you hit the lottery, I don't play, but when you hit the lottery, we all coming up. That's right. Cabo. Cabo. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking or selfish. It is not easily angered. Lost everybody. And I mean everybody. <laughs> okay, here's one. It keeps no record of wrongs. I used to say early on in my marriage, I'm going to win this one. <laughs> We'd be arguing over something. <laughs> and I'd be saying, I'm going to win this one. Now, the, the last 17, I lost. But I'm going to win this one. <laughs> it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. <laughs> Father, help us. Always trust. Always hopes. Always perseveres. Getting back to First uh, Peter, um, he talks about um, like-minded, sympathetic, should love believers and be compassionate. 
Compassionate means a tenderness of heart. Sometimes the reason why we are not compassionate is because our hearts have become hardened. And when that happens, survival kicks in and we make it about us. And when, a, when your heart is hardened, um, pain is sort of exemplified. It's, a, it's not exaggerated to a degree, but it is. You start saying things to yourself, nobody understands what I'm going through. Well, you won't even give us an opportunity. So when he says compassionate, a tenderness of heart. But here's the problem with the tenderness of heart. We leave room to be heartbroken. And that's what family is. He says, and then he says, humble-minded. We put others before ourselves. So he's talking about if we're going to live ready, if we're going to live with hope, Christ, cornerstone, salvation, he, he, we're, we're, he's a stronghold of our salvation. And then he says, be holy, holy, separated, but being separated for his purpose, for his will, puts into practice how we live. So he's saying all of this. Then he says, I don't need for you to live as strangers, that you have your citizenship is in heaven, so you be good citizens on this side, but ultimately your citizenship is in heaven, so I need for you to live in a way that is almost like um, living with our bags always packed, ready to move according to his will, according to his purpose, and we don't, uh, we don't get so comfortable here that we lose sight of where God wants us to be. And then he says, if, if you find yourself as servants, you look, way, you look for ways to serve. So, so children, youth, you can serve in your school. Not to bring glory to your name, but to bring glory to his. And the church, Christianity, that faith in Christ is disrupting the, the social norms. And live as family. All of us come from dysfunctional families. So when our point of reference is live as family, oh, I ain't come to church for that. Have you seen? He says, but when we are husband, wife, family, when we are, when we surrender to Jesus, and the husband surrenders to Jesus, and the wife surrenders to Jesus and we raise our children to surrender to Jesus we take the posture of Jesus I lay down my life willingly so when we talk about the head heart and hand and I'm closing to know that God's instructions for marriage leads to more joyful ends than what we can create on our own. So that's what we want to sort of think about this week. That we are all a part of God's family. What you do matters to us all. What you don't do affects us all. We are 
family. It's a novel term considering that we live in a culture that's so individualized. He says we are family, and so part of being family, we are diverse. Some people believe this way, some people believe that, some people, yes, all of it, uniformity is not the goal, unity is. So I gotta give you grace. That COVID ain't nothing but a scam. I gotta give you grace, because we're part of family. And if I'm walking around in a bubble suit, in a hazmat suit, you gotta give me grace. You don't have any faith. Give me grace. That might be an area that I need to grow up in. Live as family. But here's where I wanna focus with our hearts. To, to feel a greater desire for honoring our spouse and each other according to God's word and not the world. I want us to pay attention to the people we're in relationship with. Begin to seek God, like whether it's complicated. What? Sometimes the only thing that brings two people together is the joy of the children they help create. Well, hold to that, but let Christ be the center. So what we're going to do this week, we're going to intentionally look for ways to honor our spouse and our families, and we want to serve them this week. So I want us to take the, remember, it's interesting that sometimes we can love strangers better than we love the people we're in relationship with. Let not, please don't let that be our testimony. So that's why he breaks it down. Love believers. We name the name of Christ. And as we continue to walk this journey together, Peter is writing these words to us, sharing so much. I read this quote once, and it says, my fear is that perhaps without even realizing it, we're falling into the very dangerous habit of neglecting God's commands in favor of our logic. I pray that's not our testimony, but we can all, married, single, we're all got a part of God's plan. We can all do better with loving each other. So, so if you're here and you're part of our family and, and you see someone you don't know, strike up a conversation. I'm going to leave you some insight and I'll go on this. Sometimes what breaks my heart is when we're talking, I'm talking to someone, and I was like, hey, man, did you know such and such, they got a, they got a solution to your problem. And I'll call their name, and the person don't know them. So when we come here every Sunday, not a mega church by any stretch but that's why I keep going back man we're family and family needs to get to know family
Pastor Antoine with another message from the Live Ready series. Remember that your attitude matters, so put others before yourself. If you are blessed by anything you hear on this podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. We want to thank you to all of our new friends and our family of Think Kingdom. And if you haven't, go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all under Think Kingdom. And as always, you can go back. Hear this message and so much more right here exclusively on the Think Kingdom Podcast.